Good morning. Welcome to Stony Brook. We're so glad that you have chosen to worship with us here in person and online. If you're visiting with us, uh, we invite you to check out um, the bulletin for uh, lots of information. My name is Pastor David Hoffman, and on behalf of our entire staff and our preacher for the day, Pastor Jennifer Casey and our Pastor Emeritus, Pastor Bob Thomas, we welcome you. As we begin our time together, you'll find a connection card in your bulletin and online, and you're invited to fill that out so that we might have a record of your attendance today. And also, um, on that card, you, can, you have a chance to share any prayer concerns that you bring with you this day. Couple announcements. Uh, we will be having a scholastic book fair to benefit our early learning center. Um, that book fair begins uh, tomorrow and will extend through next Sunday. Um, it will be open uh, several times during the week and then also uh, between services on May 1st. We invite you to support that, that important ministry of our church. The United Methodist Women in Faith will be sponsoring a bake sale on Election Day, um, Tuesday, May 3rd. Um, you're invited to uh, provide baked goods for that bake, bake sale. Um, you can drop those off beginning at 6 a.m. on that Tuesday morning, or they can be left in the kitchen on Monday. Uh, you're invited to package items in half or whole dozens uh, with an ingredient list on the bag. 100% of the donations will go to missions locally, nationally, and around the world. And then on May 15th, at all three services, Stony Brook will be honoring our graduates. If you or a family member will be graduating from high school or college um, this spring, you're invited to send an email by Saturday, May 7th, so that we can recognize graduates. You can email um, the church office or you can uh, email Jason Sheldon with your name, where you're graduating from, and any, any future plans um, that you have. Today is Pastor Jennifer Casey's last Sunday with us, and you're invited uh, to share in a time of fellowship following um, this morning's service. Friends, you can find out um, much more information uh, about the mission and ministry of our church um, in your bulletin packet or on our website. Friends, this truly is the day that God has given to us. I invite us now to be in worship together.
rise and join with me in this morning's call to worship. The work of the Creator is visible. The example of Jesus is apparent. Let us in the wind of the Spirit is blowing. The Word of God is calling. Let us worship in spirit and in truth. seated. Let us pray. We thank you, redeeming God, for the amazing message that you bring new hope out of despair 
the amazing message that you bring resurrection out of defeat and new life out of death. You call dry bones to dance. You give living water so that new life blossoms. You urge flowers to push their way through winter-hardened soil. This day, this Easter season, we bring before you the dead and dried out places in our lives that through your touch we may discover the newness of life. Forgotten dreams, lapsed intentions, hardened resentments, griefs to which we cling, these, O God, we hand over to you. And we know that you will return them mended, renewed, and transformed. O God, we bring before you the places in our lives and in our world where despair reigns unchallenged, places in our world where the cycles of violence go on and on and on. O God, point us Point us towards actions, however small, which lead to a more hopeful future, both for ourselves and for our world. Gracious God, we thank you that you walk beside us as we journey through life. And because you are with us, we accept each new day, each new adventure with its joys and sorrows, we accept it as a gift because you are with us. Because you are with us, we gain courage to meet the challenge of the day, choosing life and not death as we move through time. And as you raise Jesus from the dead, raise us to new life day by day. Oh God, this day we pause and we give thanks for the extraordinary care and commitment and creativity that Pastor Jennifer has given to this church. We thank you for the ways she has led and served with us and given so much to the ministry of Stony Brook. We pray that she will find new blessings each and every day as she leads and serves the William Street congregation and that the blessing of Christ will be upon all that she does. Oh God, we give thanks for all that you have given to us and we ask that you bless her on her way. And now, oh God, be patient with us. Be patient as we practice the unity that you would have by praying together the prayer that you taught your disciples, praying together, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Hear these words from the Gospel according to John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 22. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. This is the word of God for all of God's children. Thanks be to God. Let us respond by joining our voices together in song. God, for the gift of this scripture, which has been preserved for us, we thank you. We ask that you open our hearts, our minds, and our spirits to hear the message you would have for us today. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You did not do this on your own. Those were the words that I shared with you all on my first Sunday at Stony Brook. Having been recently ordained, I recounted the morning of my ordination as I stood in the shower and God pressed these words into my mind and my heart. I had not heard them as words of comfort and encouragement but rather words to remind me to keep my humility in check. Words to remind me of the one who was ultimately responsible. 
The reality is none of us do anything on our own. We're shaped by our families and our churches and our communities. We're shaped by the generations which came before, and we're shaped by God's Spirit. We do not do anything on our own, ever. Today we find ourselves standing with the disciples, together and huddled behind a locked door, fearful, wondering what is going to happen next. Within the past three days, the disciples have celebrated Passover with Jesus. They went through the horror of his arrest, his trial, and his death. They moved through the dismay over the part they played in it all. And Mary has just told them that Jesus has been resurrected. This stunning realization must have been impossible to comprehend and they have yet to see Jesus for themselves. What do you think they were doing as they were together in the house? Were they doing what we so often do when we experience something unreal or traumatic? Were they recounting the details of the events over and over again, trying to make sense of that which simply doesn't make sense? Or were they still too stunned to even speak? Perhaps they were just sitting with one another in silence. What do you think they were doing? Whatever it was, Scripture tells us fear was a motivator. Fear of being persecuted because of their association with Jesus. Fear that the things Jesus had promised to them simply weren't true. Fear that they had made a huge mistake, risking it all to follow Jesus of Nazareth. Fear can be seductive. It tricks us. It tells us things like staying small and remaining exclusive and avoiding things that are uncomfortable will help to keep us safe and help it make it be so that we won't suffer and that all will be well. Fear lies. It can lead to destruction. Fear perpetuates prejudice. It has the power to start wars. It is the catalyst for dehumanizing God's beloved. Fear keeps us behind closed doors, hopeless, faithless, and lacking in trust. There's been a lot to fear these past couple of years. Legitimate, life-risking things to fear. Unfortunately, our world has taken fear of a virus and projected it onto any number of things in our lives. This has led to an increase in polarization in our political parties, in our communities, in our churches, and even in our families. Fear can lead to destruction. We do not do this on our own. We are influenced by what we read and watch on the news and in social media. We are influenced by the stories we hear from our friends and neighbors. We're influenced by the attitudes and values held within our families. We do not do this on our own. 
On my first Sunday, I shared with you all the story of meeting with John Robb at Lakeside. Pastor Lou had invited me to dinner with the Stony Brook folks during annual conference that year. And as we sat and talked at dinner, I realized I was sitting next to the man who had been my youth leader while I was in school, John Robb. I was delighted to reconnect with him after probably more than 30 years, going to a new church where someone knew my family and someone had known my brother Jeff warmed my heart. I felt a connection to my roots and to the communities which helped to shape and mold me during my formative years. Now, if any of you know John at all, you know when he's excited about something. You may recall that when I first arrived at Stony Brook, my family and I didn't move into the parsonage right away. We were waiting for the trustees to finish up some projects that were going on, and so I wasn't quite yet in the house. One day, while working in the church office, before the parsonage was ready, John popped in and said to me, come over with me to the parsonage. I have something to show you. We talked as we walked across the parking lot, and when we arrived, he opened the garage door and then dramatically turned to me as this appeared. I could feel him looking at me, waiting expectantly for a reaction, and all I could think was, what is it? Did John do an arts and crafts project for me? Was it a gift? Was it something else? As I was standing there in silence, pondering how to react appropriately, John saved me. Don't you remember, he asked excitedly. Remember what, John? Remember the year the youth went to the district's youth event and you all created this banner? Nope, I have zero (laughs) recollection of that. Well, you did, and you all came up with this, and he went on to tell me all of the details in only the way that John can tell a story. I have no idea how he remembered this story, and I have no idea why he saved this banner. But clearly, it was important to him that he remembered this story that I have no recollection of was a gift to me. Him giving me this banner was a gift. Reconnecting with John has been a gift. We do not do this on our own. Jesus shows up when the disciples are at their most fearful, locked away, hiding from reality, unwilling to see the possibilities. He enters the room, and the very first words he offers to his frightened friends are, Peace be with you. In other words, 
receive calmness and tranquility. Come back to where you are rooted and grounded. Move away from the fear and return to me. And just in case, it was almost like he said, and just in case you need more assurance, let me show you my hands and my side. Let me show you how even with these wounds, I am alive. I am here, and I offer your help. I give you God's spirit. Jesus was not alone. He had God with him, in him at all times. The way he spent his time teaching and preaching and healing was of God. He knew the disciples were going to need something after he was gone need the Spirit to help guide and sustain and open them up to doing the work of the kingdom. That same Spirit which guided the early apostles after Jesus' death and resurrection is the same Spirit which led to the birth of the early church, and it is the same Spirit which guides us today. Through prayerful discernment, the wind and breath of God will lead Stony Brook to ministries which will benefit the kingdom here in Gehenna and the world. You are not alone. You do not do this on your own. I went on the Cuba mission trip my first fall at Stony Brook. Because of this, I wasn't in worship for two Sundays in a row. And when I returned, you all were so sweet in the way you reacted. I remember telling Pastor Lou, you would have thought I had been gone for six months, not just two weeks. You welcomed me back with open arms. You told me I was home and how much you had missed me. This is just one of the many, many examples I could give of the kind, gentle, and genuine nature of Stony Brook. I've said it from day one, you all reflect God's generous, abundant, grace-filled nature. It goes all the way from your financial gifts to your service, your hospitality, your care, your encouragement, to your love. A few weeks into the pandemic, I sent our bishop and our district superintendent an email. The sole purpose of this email was to thank them for my appointment at Stony Brook Church. I shared with them what a beautiful congregation you are and how encouraging you were even in the midst of a pandemic. I can't tell you how many calls and notes I've received over these past couple of years of encouragement, and I can't even begin to tell you how much they've meant to me. I did not do this on my own. Words are a part of my work. It is my job to attempt to articulate God's message through preaching and teaching, through prayers, pastoral care, mission, and outreach. I love words. 
I love stretching myself to come up with new ways of trying to explain the inexplicable. I love reading and listening to the ways that others describe God. Words are my artistic expression. And though I love words, I'm having a hard time coming up with these words to express what these past three years at Stony Brook have meant. These years have been something else. Never in my life would I thought I would have been leading a church in a time when we couldn't have been in one another's presence. Never in my life did I think I would be sitting through so many meetings trying to figure out how to best keep an entire congregation safe from something we could not see. Never in my life did I think public health would become so politicized. Never in my life did I stay awake worrying that my very own breath could infect one of you. Never in my life could I have imagined the professional and personal strain from the pandemic. Never in my life could I have imagined living through all of this and so much more with such a beautiful congregation. And never in my life could I have imagined all of this happening while living next to a creek that would have its own powerful and healing ministry. We are never alone. We do not do this life on our own. We're surrounded by people and by nature and by all that God has woven together in this world. God's spirit is always with us, leading us, loving us, guiding us to experience peace. I don't know about you, but there were many times over the past couple of years where I would have much rather hidden behind a door, kept it shut and locked, not looked at the world, the reality, or the pain. And I know there were many times where it would have been easy for this church to turn a blind eye, turn inward, and let fear dominate. Jesus came to the disciples when they would have been in their most heightened state of self-preservation, when the fight, flight, or flee responses would have been at their highest. Jesus did not wait until things calmed down to show up. He didn't wait until they were more secure in who they were or what they had done. He did not wait until they felt grounded and at peace. He showed up when things were really scary. And this is when he reminded the disciples they were not alone. He invited them to look at his wounds and he offered them peace. He brought them back to a place of trust, a place of hope, a place of groundedness. He brought them back to trusting God and trusting in who they were as God's beloved. One of the gifts of the pandemic for me was the time to explore the Gehanna Trails. Benzie and I spent hours and hours and walked miles and miles in Gehanna. 
Not only was it good for my mental and my physical health, but I was quickly confronted with the spiritual nature of the creek. Only a creative, magnificent, wondrous God can design something so peaceful and so powerful and so nurturing. The wildlife which inhabits this area is stunning. Now, you all were gracious enough to humor me as I wrote maybe one or two too many pandemic devotions on my observation of the birds and of the squirrels and of my dog when we were out walking. And then in the middle of all of this, I began to have a dream of someday writing about my experience of living next to the creek, titling it something like Life, Lessons, and Love Along the Creek. As spring, summer, and fall moved into winter and into a second year of the pandemic, life felt especially hard. The winter blues, which affect so many people, seem to be hanging over so many of our heads. Twelve months living in a pandemic world felt exhausting. And it was in this state that for the very first time in my life, I began to see beauty in the browns and the grays, the dormant and the death of winter. Something in me began to shift. Encouraged by my spiritual director, I experimented with different forms of writing, and it helped me to see hope and peace and beauty right there in whatever state we are in. It moved me away from always waiting for my idealized experience of resurrection to focusing on the resurrection present in every single moment and state of our lives. It helped me to see God everywhere and always, no matter what. You do not do this on your own. In Jesus appearing to the disciples and showing them his wounds and his peace, he was holding up a mirror for them. It was the same as saying to them, use the places where you hurt because you are not alone in this experience. Use the peace because it is already present. Show others how it is available for them as well. Offer hope and healing through me in this hurting world. And this, my friends, is resurrection. The disciples already had all they needed. It was just a matter of opening their eyes to see it and to believe it for themselves. While I still don't have the adequate words to describe the past three years, what I can say is it has been one of hurt, of joy, of loneliness, and of community, of anxiety, and of peace. 
It has been the reality of living a full life. What more could I ask for? And what more could I ask for than to have had this experience with a church who embodies the realness of living a full life, who doesn't shy away from the hard parts and who finds joy and humor through it all? I attended my last leadership board meeting on Thursday night. And at the end of the meeting, I was presented with this stall, a gift from the Stony Brook congregation. Thank you. I wear it as a reminder of the healing power of the creek, and it is beautiful. I wear it as a reminder of the healing power of this congregation. It is beautiful. I wear it as a reminder of all of the ways that you all shimmer and shine God's love and brilliance in this world. It is beautiful. I wear it as a reminder that I did not do anything on my own. God is beautiful, and you are beautiful. You already have everything you need. Look at the mirror that Jesus is holding up for you to see yourself. Trust in your beauty. Trust that no matter how scared you may be, you are not alone. You do not do anything on your own. Jesus has breathed the Holy Spirit into your lungs. Feel it moving through you and back out into the world. Catch it and share it with others. I leave you with the words that I signed off every single one of my pandemic devotions. Until we see one another again, remember that God loves you and that I love you. Amen. We have so much to be thankful for. Let us show our appreciation. I believe the Olentangy runs through Delaware, if I remember right, so there's. <laughs> Friends, it is our opportunity. In fact, it's a responsibility and a privilege for us to give back to God a portion of what God has entrusted to our care. These gifts remind others that they are not alone, and it brings a deep peace into their lives. I invite the ushers to wait upon us.
All things come from you, O God, and with gratitude we return to you what is yours. You created all that is, and with love formed us in your image. When our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You gave us your only Son, Jesus Christ, to be our risen Savior. All that we are and all that we have is a trust from you. And so, in gratitude for all of these gifts, we offer you ourselves and all that we have in union with Christ's offering for us. By your Holy Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all your world, through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.
friends, have the courage to look at the mirror Jesus has put up for you. See your beauty. Take that beauty out into the world, sharing God's love. Transform this world through the Holy Spirit that moves through each of you. Go in peace, my friends. Amen.